Building Something Out of Nothing is brought to you by Lift Fund. For over 25 years, Lift Fund has backed entrepreneurs who build something out of nothing by providing responsive insights and small business capital when others aren't able to. If you need help launching your passion into a reality, visit liftfund.com today. Building Something Out of Nothing is brought to you by Geekdom. Geekdom is the largest co-working space in the city with the focus of building downtown San Antonio one startup at a time. Visit geekdom.com today to schedule a free tour. What's up, guys? This is Eddie Laughlin, co-founder of Shotgun House Coffee Roasters, and you're listening to Building Something Out of Nothing, a small business podcast right here in San Antonio. Today's guest is Patrick Trevino, head of business development at Twang in San Antonio. We sit down at the Geekdom Audio Lab and chat about the origins of the company in 1986, the early iterations and flavors of Twang's popular citrus salts, the 1998 partnership with beverage giant Anheuser-Busch and the marketing transition to beer salts, expanded offerings and increased retailer interest, and how since 1986 Twang has transformed from a small-time mom-and-pop shop to a nationally distributed company that sells over 10 million bottles of its signature beer salt each year. Enjoy. Oh, this is your first podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool, cool. So where's the uh, the main facility located? I was actually curious about that. I looked it up on the map, so I couldn't tell exactly. Highway 90 West, you know, so going out towards Castroville, Texas, uh, okay. we're right on the edge of, of uh, San Antonio, basically. Uh, cool. it, so it's uh, one exit beyond 1604. Is it just like kind of super industrial? Are you by yourself? No, I mean, we were back in the day totally by ourselves. Uh, it was just kind of the cows and uh, pastures, and it, it's more residential than okay. anything else. The growth that's gone on that direction has been more homes. That's cool. Yeah. How many square footage y'all have? Uh, right now, we're probably about uh, 50,000 square feet. Oh, wow. So it's big. It's gotten bigger. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I mean, y'all have just seen, from what I've read, like tremendous growth for 30 years, it seems like. Definitely. It's been a steady climb. Well, yeah, let's talk about that origin story a little sure. bit. Um, Absolutely. So your dad started the company about 30 years ago, uh, 1986, right, to be correct? Exactly. Um, yeah, in essence, uh, dad was traveling and had tasted a, a citrus-flavored salt that that a lot of us uh, you know, had, out of the valley had, had tasted even before. And Growing up, obviously, uh, salt in a lemon or salt on a pickle or, or salt in lime and chili on a fruit cup was just flavors that we had grown up with. So I think it resonated with him. And I think he started uh, with a notion of, of kind of wanting to create his own uh, formulation. And um, <clears throat> that's when he basically was not in the food world at all. So he kind of had reached out to some folks. And right. this was all pre-internet. So it was a lot of old school library opening up uh, at the time there were Thompson registers. It was kind of a manufacturer directory and yeah. found a, a, a group out of California that could help him uh, craft his recipe. And then a company in Chicago actually um, helped him manufacture it. And uh, then it was sent in bulk to San Antonio. And that's when he started the the pursuit of putting it in stores and seeing people's reaction. So and it was kind of just a one-man band at first, right? Like, So he was making those phone calls, and he was saying, look, this is kind of the flavor profile I'm looking for. I want like a citrusy type salt. Did he know? Because I know like 10 years later, it was kind of rebranded and refocused to be beer salt. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that was probably part of the application. But what what was kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, from a Latino snacking perspective, I mean, uh, that, that whole pairing of salt and, and citrus on uh, just about anything from a, a chip to a fruit to uh, eating it on its own was just a kind of more of a little bit of arm and hammer. It was just a, a delicious blend that do with it what you will. A lot yeah. of folks definitely sprinkle it on a beer, uh, but uh, it ran a gamut, you know, a pretty broad cross-section of, of, of use. And um, uh, obviously, one-man band uh, supported 
with a great drummer being my mom, you know, right. um, that's uh, usually how it starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think certainly it, it, you know, the, the whole prospect at that time of, of, of leaving a, a, a good job with benefits and, and, and getting off onto a branch of being an entrepreneur at a time when there really wasn't a lot to, uh, to study, uh, was, was daunting. And I so think, did he quit his job? Not initially. I okay. think early on, he, uh, basically, uh, the, the way the product was put together is it was a, it was a one gram singular, uh, serving packet, um, that there were three flavors. It was a lemon lime, a dill pickle and a chili lime. And, uh, those were the cornerstone flavors that the company was launched with. And, uh, in essence, the packets were manufactured and assembled in Chicago through a co-packer. And then they were sent to us in like 50,000, unit drums right. uh, and then you would literally by hand take the stacks of packets and uh, put 250 into a little uh, point of purchase display and that was the actual selling unit so these little one gram packets that retailed for a dime is uh, how the company was born you know and so he was going around at convenience stores at first right and would he just individually go around to convenience stores it was him Sit, giving out samples and just trying to sell this product and maybe like have it set at the register type thing where people just grab it one way out? 100%. It okay. was, and it was probably, I, I venture to say a lot of it was probably done on consignment. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, Let yeah. me, uh, please be kind enough to let me put my product here and hopefully it sells. And, uh, you know, uh, th that definitely was a very, uh, I think from a, from a horizon perspective, I think it was very... Uh, uh, just really trying to be successful in San Antonio. And I think the whole notion of, of making it much larger and bigger was something that evolved right. in time. It definitely wasn't the original, you know, intent to start a spice company, if you would, um, that, you know, had a broader reach than, than just our hometown. Because this was 1986, probably really popular thing, like in the, in the Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, you could see the potential in San Antonio, obviously. Absolutely. Um, but were there other mass marketed citrus salt type products at the time? Did he see this white space and say, yeah, I think this could be something or was he just, were... yeah, I mean, th th there was definitely one that we came across that, uh, that he came across that, um, you know, it, it, the, the, uh, the product integrity wasn't there. The packaging wasn't there. So it really was a, a lot of times a little bit of a disappointment when you did open it and it, it wasn't, um, free flowing. So I think that's where he saw a little bit of an opportunity to make a better mousetrap, if you would, that's cool. uh, kind of building off the same flavor profiles, but, uh, constructing it differently. And I think that in turn, um, you know, that story with each individual retailer was really one of, uh, uh, base it at a time you know like one retailer being successful with it led to the next retailer and then hopefully led to the next retailer and it was a very very um you know baby step you know crawl walk run yeah well that's uh, how i go that first 10 years it kind of seems like until finally we'll get into that but getting anheuser-busch's attention and stuff like that it seems like it was really a blood sweat and tears type thing for at least the first few years i mean that's entrepreneurship right there very much so and i think there's a, definitely a lot of folks in san antonio that early on you know uh, helped hand assemble a lot of those little yeah. miniature boxes you know we definitely drew upon a bigger uh community and a friend and family network that uh really helped us uh get get off the ground and i think it was definitely a few years of that um, that path. And then I think it was literally towards the end of the eighties that, that dad sensed, you know, it, this is seemingly something a little bit, um, uh, bigger than, than just a, a one-off one town, uh, kind of thing. And I think that's when he made the leap to getting into the manufacturing space. And that's right. where, you know, getting that first piece of machinery to make our own packets was, you know, a, a daunting leap, uh, for him, but, uh, ended up being one that set us down the road to becoming a, a you know, a, a, a 
food manufacturer. But in, before in, that point, you were, he was working out of the garage, right? I exactly. mean, it was completely everything was manufactured or like you know put in boxes and stuff at the garage, and then <laughs> uh, he would yeah. distribute from there. Exactly, it would you know segued from a garage to a like a storage unit. <laughs> you know, was was the uh, the evolution, and then obviously to our first facility and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I mean, and we we have called a lot of buildings home over over the years. But you know, certainly downtown, uh, you know, we were under the Buena Vista Street Bridge for. A long time renting from the Tudis brothers, um, so it was definitely a you know being close to the core of San Antonio was definitely a fun thing to be a part of in the early days as well. Did he have you helping as well when you were a kid and stuff like that? I think anyone that came near had to help. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's family uh, business style yeah, right there. Exactly. Um, do, do you know what the indicator was for him that you said eventually he realized that this might be, be bigger than just like a one-off thing than just like a one-town San Antonio thing? Do you know what the indicator was there? Were sales just kind of like slowly without even him trying just growing and growing and growing or did you know what was kind of the indicator yeah i mean that, that's that's a good question i mean definitely um you know um a little bit is is the i think the success story of making each individual retailer successful and and and, and doing that time and time again uh really just kind of opened up the the opportunities to go to the next retailer and and obviously let that initial success story help set the stage for the for for the growth but i mean it was definitely a um uh a little bit of a leap of faith. You know, there wasn't any uh, extensive market studies. There was no uh, consumer demographics at the time. It was pretty much just I have, a, a, you know, dad had a really keen sense that this could be a, a flavor profile that might resonate with a lot more people than just Latinos. And yeah. at this point, were you still only in kind of like gas stations and small mom and pop shops? Was there, you know, I know later on, obviously now Walmart, Amazon, sure. you're in the national retailers, but that was later on, right? I mean, right now it was still kind of small, small time. Definitely. And I think back then, too, it was a little bit of a simpler retail space as well in that you had, you know, uh, just a few channels. You had a liquor store, you had a grocery store, and you had a convenience store, and that yeah. was the extent of retail, yeah. you know. So uh, definitely the, the, the convenience store channel, uh, I think just the, the grab-and-go nature of a, of a 10-cent item, that's kind of where it was best suited to, to live. Okay. So that happened for about 10 years. 12 years, something mm -hmm. like that. In 1998, more than a decade after the business started, Anheuser-Busch, everybody knows who they are, they took notice and they kind of came calling. Um, or at least that's how I read it. Did mm -hmm. they come calling or did he go approach them? No, actually, um, it's kind of a funny story. It was a combination of both. You know, I think early on, I mean, clearly the prospect of, of aligning with any beer manufacturer, much less one of the largest ones in the world at the time, certainly, uh, was was huge. And I, and I think we we all knew that, that a lot of folks enjoyed uh, the sprinkle of twang salt on their beer, you know, yeah. so we knew that pairing uh, worked well. And I think there was at one point that dad did work his way into being able to talk to one of the brewmasters at AB and they basically laughed him out of the building. They said, if we want to, <laughs> if we want to have salt and lime in a beer, that's how we'll brew it. And, uh, yeah. you know, we've come kind of come full circle. <laughs> you know, there's definitely a lot of good calf brewers that have, uh, incorporated some similar ingredients. Um, but, uh, I think in the late 90s when the Anheuser-Busch um, was trying to create a rival to Corona, uh, they basically saw um, a lot of folks that were enjoying our salt on a beer and thought yeah. that perhaps there's an opportunity to make um, kind of a, a drinking ritual uh, like the lime is to a bottle of Corona. Maybe the uh, a citrus salt to – it was Takiza beer at the time uh, – could be something that could be an interactive way to enjoy that beer. and. Um, you know, fortunately for us, they ended up doing a fair amount of market research, um, really testing this thing on a national level. So 
to be a small company and have the 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 benefit of a large manufacturer helping validate something that we had a hunch yeah. could work um, was huge. And I think in the end, what they deemed is that um, it was a perfect pairing for their beer. So when they launched that beer, um, we basically co-branded uh, our item. So we took our citrus salt and, and basically it was a Tequiza Twang branded package that we created for their distributor network to roll this beer out. And it was okay. part of the beer's rollout. And um, what they found is that consumers uh, really loved the two paired together. They maybe weren't so crazy about the beer on its own. Um, and uh, for us, it was um, unbelievable because it, 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 it basically represented a national sampling, you know, because it went out to every Anheuser-Busch distributor in the country uh, as part of this beer. And what we quickly learned is that whereas we thought Maybe it's uh, predominantly a Latino uh, palette. Uh, maybe it's predominantly a C-store shopper, which, you know, uh, it, it really jumped all types of, uh, you know, uh, gender, ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic. A lot of folks really enjoyed the flavor really? profile. Even in different parts of the Country. United States? Because that's something I, you know, I think I put here in, in the questions. I thought, like, New England, like that oh, area. Completely. Like, would they, they probably never even heard of something like that. Oh, c- c- and to this day, they, they, a lot of them probably still haven't. You right, know? And, right. And I think it's definitely one of those things that it definitely pairs best with a, with a lighter style beer. Uh, you know, your lagers and your Mexican imports. Are, are the best suited for, for, for what we do. And I think uh, when you look at kind of where those beers are most successful, it t- typically mirrors uh, the warmer areas of the country. So the bottom half of the country is kind of has always been kind of our cornerstone. Uh, but with that Anheuser-Busch uh, opportunity, uh, what it did is it, it, it kind of helped solidify. At that, at that point, we had already pivoted and, and, and really kind of we uh, – Dad was lucky enough to um, – uh, come up with a proprietary little bottle that he was able to patent. So it's a little miniature beer bottle. You pop the top and it's a salt shaker. So that little unique uh, package uh, became our, you know, what what is beer salt uh, today? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we had already made that move um, uh, with Anheuser-Busch. But what it showed is that I think it it really opened our eyes to saying that, hey, maybe we have, uh, not just with beer salt, but in flavors in general, maybe this whole, and that was at the very beginning of, you know, global fusion and taste coming together. And yeah. and I think it was really neat to see that, you know, there's a lot of Latin flavors that resonate with folks all around the country. And, you know, uh, to this day, I don't think everyone's going to pair their beer with a salt, but it was certainly, you know, from a flavor perspective, people enjoyed what we made. You know? And so after they were able to kind of send this these samples out with this beer, like you said, mm-hmm. and you were able to see all this market research and the return on that, is that when they were able to utilize their kind of distribution network and start putting it nationwide? Yeah, you know, it was an interesting uh, challenge in that, you know, uh, at that time, um, again, this is w- well ahead of the real explosion of craft beer and, and, and you know, all these alternative beverages that a lot of beer distributors. Yeah, around. Now. So this was in 90, yeah, 98, 99. 98. Okay. Right. So, so at the time, uh, you know, and at that point, a craft beer might have been Michelob, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, 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 but uh, in any event, uh, at that time, the beer distributor world and, and I think for the most part it still is but they were very much just focusing on, on on moving units of beer so they weren't really interested in becoming salt distributors or, or uh, salt merchants if you would but what it certainly did from a retail perspective is it it, it, it let us um, leverage some of the testing and trialing that had gone on and, and, and basically just expand that whole notion of looking across the southwest and the southern half of the country and um, you know, it, there are a few beer distributors that we've continued to work with, but um, more than anything, it, it it showed a lot of retailers that there's a place for this type of product in their stores. There's a lot of opportunity because I'm assuming at this time there weren't a ton of competitors. No, 
No, no, no and, we're and, kinda... and that was always one of the trickiest things is we, um, you know, it, it, without causing or without intending to, we somewhat created a, a standalone category. Yeah. You know, that, you know, what buyer buys beer salt? Is yeah. it the spice buyer? Is it the beer buyer? Well, and it was like figuring that out, which is the complicated <laughs> part. And it's, it, that's what you were saying earlier about, you know, we, we have it in San Antonio and we feel like there's this potential, but you, it's really hard to pull the trigger on national distribution oh, and, absolutely. you know, and a lot of companies won't be able to, you know, a lot of lot big time distributors just won't do it. Well, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, uh, from our earliest stages, I mean, uh, tasting the product is really the only way to experience what it mm-hmm. is we do. And we knew also that, that if we tried to, um, be too aggressive and, and, and spread ourselves too far afield uh, that we wouldn't be able to support the product. Right. And, and, and that's something that's always been a, a little bit of a catch-22 when you're a small uh, brand is that uh, getting it on the shelf is one thing and, and, and creating the awareness and, 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 and consumer interest and driving trial, that's the hard part. And, yeah. and I think that's, um, you know, that pulling it off the shelf is what we've always tried to, um, you know, take a baby step and, 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 you know, uh, maybe not spread ourselves too thin as we try and grow. Hey guys, it's Eddie from Building Something Out of Nothing. Before I started this podcast, my mic sat in a drawer for six months before I finally got the courage to record my first episode. I didn't know anything about the podcasting world, and I definitely didn't know anything about finding the right website to host my podcast. That is, until a friend told me about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. If you're wanting to finally pull the trigger on that first podcast, follow the link in the show notes to let Buzzsprout know we sent you. You'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, so it's kind of a no-brainer. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start your professional podcast. So you ink this partnership with uh, Anheuser-Busch. There's this massive influx of kind of retailer interest um, across the country at this point. Um, so you obviously, you need a space. Mm-hmm. So y'all moved to, is it the same facility you're at now that we were talking about earlier? Or is this a, the first one? Yeah, no, this is, a, I think, about Twang 4.0. Um, we're, we've been in our current facility about 15 years. Okay. So this is definitely home for us. Okay. Uh, prior to that, you know, we definitely, uh, we, uh, we rented downtown downtown. Uh, on Buena Vista Street uh, for a number of years. and um, Where were you on Buena Vista, just out of curiosity? Um, right by the um, uh, train station, uh, right under the Buena Vista Street Bridge. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I think nice. it's been redeveloped quite a bit now, uh, but the old train station right there, the, the Tooties brothers were one of the old, original cash and carries and one of the oldest families in San Antonio, and, okay. and uh, uh, we rented a, a warehouse from them. And uh, uh, But, yeah, it was a, a, a very uh, – the, the, the move out – to where we're currently facilitated was uh, overdue. You know, we were definitely in a space where we were, uh, as a lot of companies are, we were on top of each other. And from a manufacturing perspective, it wasn't the best uh, way to lay out a, a, a space. So um, making the move definitely just gave us a little bit more elbow room to kind of set up, uh, you know, uh, all the different functions that go on from a production perspective. Your infrastructure was more, mm-hmm. yeah, solid at this point, um, which allowed you to get into retailers like, the Walmarts and the HEBs of the world and things like that. Um, did that just kind of like change the game, change everything for y'all once you once you were in these larger retailers? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, for us, it's 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 really been a slow, steady uh, progression uh, over time. You know, I think with a lot of retailers, we're really blessed to and 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 fortunate to have had long term partnerships with them, and 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 we really view it that way. So even folks like HEB, you know, in the late '90s as well. 
alongside you know the the beer salt we were also uh, playing with the notion of margarita salt and what can it be you know at that time it was pretty much just an unflavored uh, commodity type product that sat in a tub on a shelf and we thought why not also bring flavor to that cool. uh, p- part of a margarita so we also launched and, and also that gave us an entree to go speak to grocers and, and, and liquor stores for that matter um, but we were also kind of that pioneering into that world of uh, cocktail garnish and, and beverage and at the time it was strictly margarita um, mm-hmm. but uh, that that you know uh, those inroads early on I mean we're now talking to some of our retail partners we're, we are well over 20 years, you know, so uh, a lot of them has been just a slow, steady progression with them. Okay, cool. And so it all started with that lime beer salt, Mm -hmm. and then you expanded the flavors. What were some of the other flavors with the salts? Yeah, um, chili lime has always been a cornerstone flavor of ours, uh, as has the dill pickle, you know, and and I think in that vein, it's, it's, you know, we're just... uh, playing off of flavors from our backyard, you know, and those are just a uh, tried and true, um, cornerstone flavors of ours. Um, uh, lemon lime was also one that, that, you know, we did a lemon lime, a lime, a dill pickle and a chili were kind of our first. And for anyone listening, that's never had twang. Um, is there like, if you get, so you buy, you buy a little individual, the little bottle mm-hmm. that your father sure. created. Is there instructions on the back that say, okay, you know, recommended couple, <laughs> couple of pinches or a couple of taps or does it go directly in the beer? Does it go on the, the rim of the beer? How do you, is there a recommended way to do it? Or is it just complete personal preference? Does it matter at all? No, absolutely. I mean, early on, it, we, we truly deferred to our customers to help us understand right, how right, to best use the product. Right. So on our packaging, it, it, it kind of, uh, it was more of a uh, do with it what you will and, and, and let us know what you did with it, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, really trying to solicit just how folks were engaging with the product. And, and I think for us, you know, that whole add a dash uh, notion kind of was an indirect way of saying, a little bit at a time you know maybe it's a you know it's very tart very sour for some folks if you're not used to those types of flavors but uh as we've morphed over the years and certainly you know added different product offerings some of them have been for very specific applications a- absolutely for sure yeah. what if i was just thinking what if what if people don't drink beer can they put it like you know sparkling water is a craze right now absolutely. can you put it in like your little unflavored sparkling water to get a give it a little absolutely pizzazz? absolutely and one of the things that you know to that end you know certainly you know we work with a lot of uh, restaurants and in, in, in events and whatnot and, and i think that whole notion of a uh, of a uh, alcohol free and spirit free uh you know uh, is 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 tailor-made for to to have a garnish like ours definitely um so yeah so you start with the beer salts but you've expanded your product line to include a variety of offerings i'm going to name a few and i'm not even sure exactly what some of these are so you can uh, <laughs> do my best you can clarify twangers what's that uh it's it, it, again it's a lot of our um, uh, cornerstone flavors it's a little uh cylindrical flavor that in essence uh, in that family we add like a, ta- a tamarind flavor we have a spicy mango uh and in that it's definitely um uh the way we've positioned the product is 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 more squarely at snack application. So okay. if you're having a bag of popcorn, if you're having your uh, chips or whatnot, it's a perfect little way to sprinkle a little flavor on it. You know, so uh, and that it's a little uh, cylindrical shaker, and, and we do a little one gram packet. And again, that's you know uh, uh, kind of more of a snack. Uh, topping, if you would. Okay. Then you have the Michelada mix. I know what that is. You could do a Bloody Beer with that. You could do a Bloody Mary. Um, I bet that's pretty popular. I, I've had that. It's very good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, years in the making. I mean, we're definitely a dry blend. I mean, uh, our, our cornerstone expertise is is, is, is dry ingredients and in, 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 in using those as kind of a canvas. But, yeah, it's kind um, of a spinoff for y'all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that said, we've always loved a Michelada ourselves. So I think what we uh, always wanted to do is if we were going to put a liquid... 
uh, mix into the market, we really wanted it to be something that we love. Mm-hmm. And because uh, again, at home, I think that's one of the opportunities we saw with a lot of uh, micheladas is that just like a Bloody Mary, everyone has their own little riff. And yeah. uh, we wanted to hopefully give folks just a way to uh, open a bottle and have the uh, perfect michelada right out of the right out of the bottle. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we just launched that this past year. I mean, that that's a, a, a brand new endeavor for us, and we're super excited. We think the 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 entire world of uh, beer as a cocktail, much less michelada, can still be defined in a lot of different ways. I mean, we definitely have a, a cornerstone classic tomato uh, flavor that we've launched with, but uh, we've got a lot of cool. Uh, fun stuff in the pipeline there to uh, build and upon. Can you find that at like Total Wine and Specs and mm-hmm. places like that? I'm assuming yeah. right next to maybe the vodka and all that. Exactly. That's the goal. I mean, we, we, we just, we just rolled it out. So we're, we're just getting distribution underway, but yeah, uh, obviously anywhere there's a mixer set, uh, we want that product to be available. And, and same thing in the C store, you know, we, we're also, yeah. uh, uh, we, built a small little uh, grab-and-go package uh, for the convenience store. So that's awesome. if somebody makes wants to uh, head the way tubing or to the beach or to the tailgate, they have a little way to take us along with them. All right. Uh, this is one you'll have to explain. Twang- twangarita. <laughs> what do we the, have there? Th- that is our interpretation of margarita salts. You know, as okay. I mentioned, uh, you know, early on and uh, back in the day when we launched the brand, uh, we kind of stayed uh, kind of in our core wheelhouse of flavors, that citrus uh, flavor profile and, and – um, what we saw over the years is, as uh, the, the world of cocktails really took off is that uh, a lot of uh, uh, different interpretations for, for a rim for, for a margarita. So okay. in that family, what we did is uh, we just uh, relaunched that brand uh, or re- re- rebranded rather over the last couple of years. And we kind of pivoted away from a classic, uh, the plastic tub to a, a stand-up pouch that gave us kind of more of a canvas to, okay. um, to tell a story with. And, and from that end, you know, we're, we're, we're a flavor-driven company, so a lot of the flavors that live in that family are, um, you know, uh, we have strawberry lime, we have a, a, a classic lemon, we have a couple of flavors that are inspired by a cocktail. We have a, a Paloma flavor that is the, the a, a granular version of the Maybe classic right. cocktail. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've had a lot of fun with that. It gives us a lot of uh, range, and I think for somebody who's making a margarita at home, um, simplicity is key, and I think uh, it's an easy way to uh, elevate an at-home beverage with very little effort if you're, you know, putting regular salt might as well up your game a bit with Twangarita. Okay. And then Zoss exclamation point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we've always, always um, had a desire to, to, to share our flavors in a much broader area. And, and clearly the spice aisle of a grocery store is, is where most people are getting uh, the, the spices that they cook and eat with. And, okay. and so Zoss was really our, um, as we looked at that space, uh, really an effort for us to, 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 uh, take some of the flavors that we'd love. So on the Zoss family, uh, we, we have, um, uh, again, our, 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 our chili lime is kind of the cornerstone. We have a hatch chili, we do a mango chili and a tamarind. And, uh, the way we've built that line is hopefully, uh, you know, we want to, uh, give someone an opportunity to have a little taste of home with a, with a sprinkle. Uh, and, and home is a, a broad section for a lot of folks. So the line, while it's started in kind of a Latino palette, we have a uh, hopes that as time goes by, we'd love to incorporate a African, Indian, Asian yeah. uh, flavors into that line and just have a lot of fun with it. You know, And, you know, I'm kind of curious, do you have any idea with some of the, the market research and um, sales research that you can do now, what your average customer is like? Do you, you know, because I'm sure you have a lot of people just like me, they just want it for their personal bar add it to their beer, get the Michelada mix, you know, have a nice Sunday bloody beer, whatever it is. But then do you also have a lot of 
bars and cocktail bars and things like that, you, you know, utilizing your products for their own drinks that they're curating for their customers? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, the, the cornerstone is, is for us is still that at-home uh, consumer. I mean, mm-hmm. that's our um, major area of focus. And uh, it runs a broad, broad gamut. You know, a lot of folks um, uh, do just want a little, uh, you know, especially as, as, as retailers have emerged, and you can grab dinner uh, at HEB, you know, uh, to cook for yourself or prepared, you know. Yeah. We want to give somebody just a way to add, um, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of flavor to however they're choosing to uh, cook or drink. And, and I think for some folks, it's a little more involved than others. Uh, but um, yeah, and, and as it relates to like uh, from a, a restaurant, I mean, that's definitely a very exciting area for us because with a lot of operators, um, What's neat is that I think we've we've earned the opportunity with some to be part of their ideation and part mm-hmm. of their as they're thinking about you know uh, some menu development and 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 what might resonate. Uh, it's fun to be part of that uh, creative process. Do y'all do any advertising? Uh, very little traditional. Um, you know, p- predominantly uh, digital and and uh, you know uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of our. Uh, uh, focus is, is engaging and putting product in hand. So we do a ton of field event and we do a lot of, uh, out and about That's cool. know, music events, sporting events, uh, uh y- you name it. I mean, we feel that there's a, you know, um, uh, a home for twang across all sections of, 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 of folks enjoying themselves out of their home. And we try and be in as many of those places as we can. So still just getting it in people's hands, getting it in people's drinks, just showing them, Hey, we're right down the street at Walmart. Go pick it up. Absolutely. That type of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So just classic. Absolutely. Kind of marketing. Um, how many employees do you all have now? You're, everybody's over at the, the mm-hmm. facility here in San Antonio. Um, you know, you have, you have PR firm and things sure. like that. Do you have any outside employees? What's that look like? Yeah, I mean, in essence, um, we have uh, 60 folks that, that are, uh, uh, we're lucky enough that they want to uh, be part of our team. And um, uh, by extension, I mean, the way the, the food world works is a lot of times you are using uh, uh, representatives for different types of, uh, uh, retailers. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have a, a team that's 60 strong and, and, uh, cool. you know, um, we're, we're proud to be, uh, you know, part of the fabric of San Antonio. And so what, what's your dad started the company 30 years ago? Um, what's, what's your title with um, the company? Um, I, I wear the hat of a uh, business development. So I'm the B- business, business development. development. So what's an average day in the life like for you, uh, working at a company like Twang? I think that's really interesting to a lot of people that, maybe one day hope to start something even just a fraction of the size of Twang, but doing kind of like product development and things like that. Like what, what are you, what are you up to on a day-to-day basis? Sure. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to get to, to engage with all of our teams, you know, so I, I work with uh, everything from our, our product development, you know, where we're trying to, you know, come up with what's next. Uh, I work with a lot of our core uh, everyday sales and cool. our, our marketing. Uh, um, but, um, you know, by and large, it, it's turned into a, a retail landscape where you're really uh, challenged to to think more transactionally. You know, yeah. so a lot of times what we're trying to do with our retailers is really trying to figure out uh, what are some points of difference that we can continue to, to bring to the table for them. You know, so when we are talking to an HEB or a Specs or whatnot, we're really holistically trying to think of their business. And, and I think um, a lot of times on, on my day to day, I'm trying to uh, research a little bit of that and or uh, stay ahead of it or, or, or quite honestly, sometimes just keep pace. Uh, the, the world of retail is evolving pretty oh, quickly. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and it kind of all goes back to the name Twang. Mm-hmm. Did your dad come up with it all those years ago? Did that was that yeah. an Anheuser Busch thing? How did that happen? No, no, that was a that was a uh, early on. I think he initially went in to register the business and, and to get set up. 
uh, with the name Smuckers or Puckers, okay. Puckers rather. And, Puckers, uh, that's a pretty good name. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, 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 and what somebody mentioned is that maybe the folks at Smuckers Jam may not be too happy with the right, name. Right, right. Uh, so uh, without having a, a budget for legal, uh, he decided to break <laughs> out the thesaurus. We'll just change it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it and changed it. And, uh, and, and, and quite honestly, it, I, I venture to say that uh, agency or anybody else would be hard pressed to, to come a up with a better name, name yeah. for us because I agree. Uh, it's really fit us to a T. I mean, it, from, from where we're home, you know, Texas, uh, to, uh, being so involved with music to, you know, the, the taste itself, you know, uh, uh, being a little bit unique, it, it's, it's fit as well. And I mean, it, it derives from the way it makes your mouth feel when you mm-hmm. taste it, correct? I mean, it's just very definitely. sensory based. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is, uh, there is not a lot of subtlety to, to what we make. I mean, definitely it's a, it's a, it's a, f- uh, flavor packed offering that we, that we make. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, the name Twang has, has worked really well for us. So obviously you've been in San Antonio doing this for a long time. Do you get to engage with the community very often? Do you get to see that real life, like people engaging with your product uh, on a daily basis and things like that? How, do, how does that feel? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably the most rewarding part of our job is is that we, uh, you know, we're uh, our family has been part of the San Antonio community for, you know, multiple generations, you know, six, seven generations. Yeah. And and, uh, and truly to, to uh, have, have uh, built something that is a, Part of the fabric of the city, we, we think, and, and, and really beyond just uh, uh, any retail or, or growth, it's just nice to know that our, we have a, a fantastic city and, and we're Definitely. a tiny little part of it. You know? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think San Antonio, I think H-E-B, mm-hmm. I think Whataburger, I think Twang, <laughs> I think I interviewed Kielbasa Sausage. Yep. Y'all actually remind me a lot about them and size of uh, size of the company and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think y'all are doing some pretty awesome things. Obviously, if, you know, this is a very entrepreneurial podcast, we have a lot of people that want to start their own coffee shop one day or want to start their own brewery or want to get into like the retail packaging um, sector. Do you have some advice you'd offer somebody that wants to get into this type of business one day? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, um, it's been neat to see and particularly the food community as a a whole, I think across the country, but certainly in Texas, uh, people are really inclined to help each other. And I think uh, there's a lot of. Uh, benefit through seeing mutual success, and I think um, clearly now it's it's neat to have shows like Shark Tank and and you, uh, you know little incubators out there that are helping uh, businesses uh, shape what they're doing. But uh, uh, I, I I think uh, from a um, uh, ad- advice perspective, it would it would just be to not be shy about just asking and in, in, in talking and in, in, in calling and 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 I think we we did plenty of it over the years, and we continue yeah. to. I mean, we're constantly learning from other folks that are doing great things. And, and I think uh, a, a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, it's that uh, collective learning that I think could help, you know, progress along. Well, and also kind of, it, and it's, this is easier said than done, but kind of what y'all were able to do, and like you said, create your own category. If you can figure out a way to do that, which is almost, you can't even plan for it. It just sort of happened with y'all a little bit. And it just, just kind of took the the market by storm a little bit. Absolutely. And I think now too, it's really neat to be able to see some brands that um, can bypass um, the retail shelf and, and, and really create a product that, that can go direct to a consumer. I mean, I think digital has really opened up uh, a lot of opportunities for folks to at least spread their message, much less be able to sell a product to a customer uh, that didn't exist. Uh, you know, uh, certainly when we were starting, Definitely. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, the world of, of e-commerce i mean um so i think for a lot of companies you can certainly start small and validate you know yeah. um through that that's cool when you're not working when you're not doing twang stuff you're not marketing you're not doing all that 
what do you like to do here in San Antonio? Do you have any places you like to go hang out? Any restaurants, bars you want to give a shout out to? Parks, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely uh, love that San Antonio has continued to to grow their outdoor uh, access. You know, uh, certainly growing up as a kid in San Antonio, you had to uh, look far far afield to go mountain biking or to go for a running trail. And yeah. I think the way the city's built out is incredible. Uh, yeah, I think that is something that from a city's uh, fabric, it was something that was overdue, and I think uh, it, it certainly lends to attracting a lot more of a youthful, uh, I think the whole emergence of downtown and folks coming back to downtown and, Definitely. and that whole suburban flight that had gone on in San Antonio for a long time. Um, San Antonio's always had incredible bones, and I think I, I've lived in a bunch of different towns and you know, certainly lived a bunch of t- years in Austin, and, and um, uh, San Antonio's cool cred is is old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a new uh, thing that's just been discovered. It, it's been that for a long time, but I think it's neat to see so many new folks coming here and, and, and choosing to call San Antonio home from other parts of the country and bring their uh, perspectives with them. Uh, yeah. I think it just makes the city richer. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man, thanks for coming down to the Geekdom Podcast Studio, hanging out with me today and Absolutely. talking about talking about your brand, Twang. Um, if people want to go try the product they're they're listening to the podcast right now they've never had it for whatever reason where can they get it and uh yeah where can they find all of your products yeah hopefully uh in your local uh retailer of choice but um certainly um your hebs your specs your um uh, you know pretty much any convenience store uh you can find our products in and obviously hit us up at twang.com if, if you can't find it there and we'll make sure you get some in your hands cool man thanks for coming by appreciate it thank you Thanks for listening to Building Something Out of Nothing. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can email me at ed, that's ed6238, at gmail.com. As always, you can visit either one of our locations seven days a week. Our roastery and first location is over at Warehouse 5 at 1333 Buena Vista Street. If you'd like to serve Shotgun House coffee roasters in your restaurant, cafe, or office, shoot us a quick email at orders at shotgunhouseroasters.com or contact me anytime at 254-913-9031. Our intro music is provided by the Delicate Boys from Austin, Texas. You can find this song and their entire album on Spotify. Thanks.